How are we doing this morning? Good, good. For those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is Kurt McDonald. I'm the lead pastor here uh, at Gospel Community Church. Uh, we've been traveling through uh, the book of Ephesians for 12 weeks now. Uh, that's generally what we do. We just pick a book of the Bible and just travel through it line by line, verse by verse. Uh, our, our hope and our heart here at this church is simply just to say what the Bible says. Um, so we just open it up, walk through the text, and just kind of uh, talk about it. Uh, so what we've seen thus far in Ephesians is the first three books books uh, that we saw were essentially what we called orthodoxy. Everybody say orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, orthodoxy or good and correct doctrine, the, the knowledge of God. So what the Apostle Paul did is he took three books just to download an information dump. Okay, he, he just downloaded a whole bunch of big ideas, big thoughts about who and what God is. And then what we're going to see in these last three books is what you're supposed to do with that information, meaning your life should be transformed by information. Does that make sense? There, there are a lot of people here in the South, in particular, that know a lot of information about God. Okay? They, they grew up in the church, they went to church, and, and they could probably tell you all the books of the Bible and several Bible stories, but the problem is their life has not been transformed by that information. Okay? And, and, and so what we want to see and what we're going to be talking about today is the information that we know of God and specifically how that should transform our marriages, how that should transform how we view ourselves as men and how we view ourselves as women, and then see that transform our marriages. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Um, so we live in a world, and, and here's what makes this text in particular so difficult, uh, is because we live in a world that is absolutely confused about gender roles, that we're confused about what gender is, what it's not, and we're confused about uh, the gender role specifically in marriage. You, you see, our, our world is pushing towards blurring all lines between men and women, that, that our world is promoting and pushing that, there should be no distinction between men and women. And, and we're confused about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Okay? Again, so if I were just to grab someone at random and, and bring you up here on stage and say, okay, define for us what it means to be a man, or define for us what it means to be a woman, I, I think we would get a whole lot of different answers and be very, very confused, Okay? Because our world is promoting competing ideas of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Okay, here's an example. As a man, am I supposed to be uh, super aggressive or super passive? Which one? Okay, so, so some people define manhood as this, the man who gets it done, right? He, he is good in a fist fight. Okay, he always has the right answer. Right? He, he eats steak right? at every meal. Okay? He, he wears plaid. Right? Uh, I wore this shirt today specifically. Um, so, so some people will define manhood as here's what it means to be a man. You are over the top, aggressive, strong. You can punch the hardest, yell the loudest. You're the guy who gets it done. That's what it means to be a man. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be a man. Right? Talk in a low voice, grow a beard, carry a pocket knife, and have a handgun. Okay, that, that's what it means to be a man. That, that's what culture sometimes promotes. Other times, culture will promote this idea of manhood, of being super passive. Okay, 
He's the dude who simply uh, sits on the couch, he turns on the game, and, and he just lets the whole world pass him by. He is essentially the bump on the log, he's the bumbling dad who just can't figure stuff out, right? Don't believe me? Have you guys ever watched a kid's movie? Okay, yes, no? Staring, okay, you guys have seen kid's movies. Who is the hero in every kid's movie? The moms uh, are the hero, or the, the kids themselves are the hero, or the dog, okay? The dog and the kid is the smartest person in the whole film, and who is the bumbling buffoon who simply can't get his act together? The dad, every time, right? Every time, I don't know why they make movies that way, but, but it is, it's true, watch, watch them, okay, I'm serious. So, so is a man supposed to be out front, taking charge, I'll punch you in the mouth, uh, or is he the, the bumbling buffoon kind of sitting back, you know, he, he's watching the game, drinking his beer, and, and the whole thing just, you know, life passes him by, Right? The, the same thing with women. So what does it mean to be a woman? There, there is a, a, a caricature of a woman uh, who is bold, and she ain't going to have no man tell her what to do, right? Th this is the R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Come on, like j just that kind of outward, outgoing, I'm, I'm going to go out there and make my own way because I, I, am, I am woman, hear me roar, right? But then there's the other caricature of women of what it means to be a woman is she sits back she is always very nice and very polite, and she talks in a very low voice, and her husband is crazy, but she doesn't do anything about it, um, you know, the, and, and she's just always calm, and everything's okay, right? The world is blowing up, but she's just telling you, everything's going to be fine, it's okay, you know? So which is it? What are we supposed to be? What, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And specifically in the context of marriage, how did those two roles work themselves out, okay? So... For all of the single people in the room, we are talking about marriage today, um, and so I want you to take notes for the future, okay? Don't, don't just zone out uh, because we're talking about marriage. Th this is going to be important because we're talking about what the Word of God says specifically about your role as a man, your role as a woman. Um, for all of the married folk in the room, uh, you just need to enter into this text today uh, with a very repentant heart, I just want to say that from the outset. Um, this text is a punch in the gut for dudes, specifically. Okay? It, and, and it's also kind of a wake-up call for ladies. And so um, I want all of the, the married couples in the room just to begin to prepare your heart to enter into this just with a very repentant attitude, a very repentant heart, because what we're going to see today is a difficult text. Okay? Uh, but, but it is... It is the, the word of God, okay? So um, I wanna walk through this text. I don't think this text is hard to understand, okay? It, 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 it's really not. It's gonna be really clear in what we're supposed to do, but then at the end, I wanna give some real practical application today, okay? Um, so, so we're gonna push through the text and, and really focus on some practical uh, application today uh, for all of the married folk, okay? So here's what we're gonna see. In verses 22 through 24, wives are called to submit. Mm. See, nobody, no woman shouted amen right there. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. I saw some of your eyes start to twitch, but nobody shouted amen, okay? So it's going to say, wives, submit. Okay, now, before you try to get super smarty pants and say, oh, that, that's cultural, right? That, that was for them. You know, we live in a much more progressive and modern world now, and so things are just different, okay? 
wrong. That's wrong. Um, the, the reason is, is because he, he says, wives uh, submit to your husbands as, Christ, as the church submits to Christ. And so it's not tied to culture, rather it's tied to gospel implication. Okay? Um, so it's going to call wives to submit. So, so we're going to talk about uh, what's your motivation to submit, and, and then we're going to talk about what's the extent. Okay? So when we say submit, like what do you mean? Like what's the extent of a woman's submission to her husband? Number two, verse 25 through 27, we're going to see the husband's call to love. Okay? Now, this is interesting because it says wives submit, right? So, so you think that the, the, the call to the husbands would be a command, right? Command. So wives submit and husbands command, right? That's, that's the opposite, right? The, the women should do the submitting, and because they're submissive, the men should do the commanding. We're, we're, because you're submissive to us, we're going to tell you what to do now, right? But, but that's not the call. Wives submit, and, and husbands love. That's, that's, our, that's our job, gentlemen. Then in verses 28 through 30, Paul reveals the depth of marital oneness, okay? He, he's essentially going to make an argument like this. Don't yell at your wife because when you yell at your wife, it's essentially yelling at yourself because you're one. Nobody ever hated his own flesh, right? Rather, he nourishes it and cares for it, okay? So when you neglect your wife, it's actually you're neglecting yourself, okay? So, so that's the argument he's going to make. And then lastly, Paul explains the great mystery that the purpose of marriage is to glorify God by showing us a picture of intimacy. Let me say that again. Paul explains the great mystery that the purpose of marriage is to glorify God by showing us a picture of intimacy. The, the main problem I believe the world has with marriage, why, why do so many marriages end up blowing up? Because people miss the purpose of marriage. Most people believe that the purpose of marriage is to fulfill my needs. I have needs, and the other person is going to fulfill those needs. That's the purpose of marriage. And, and the other person thinks the same thing. I have needs, and their job is to fulfill my needs. That's absolutely not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God by showing us a picture of God's intimacy with us. Does that make sense? You with me this morning? Okay, cool. Uh, I heard you guys were excited about fall, but you're staring blankly, so I just wanna, wanna make sure you guys are with me. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the text because we've got a lot of work to do today, okay? Uh, verse 22 through 24, let's take a look at it. It says this, wives submit. <clears throat> wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in, oh, that's a bad word, everything to their husbands. Okay, wives. Let, let's just start with that word. We, uh, again, if we're confused about our gender and, and what it means to be a woman, then it becomes very, very difficult to function in your God-given womanly role in marriage. Does that make sense? So, so if you get the foundation wrong, what it means to be a woman, then it's hard to function properly in your role as a woman 
in the marriage. So let's, let's try to answer this question. Let, let's just, let's work at it a little bit. What does it mean to be a woman? What is the definition? How do we define womanhood? Again, there's going to be a lot, the world is gonna give you a lot of competing definitions, right? But, but we wanna look to the word of God that is going to define what it means to be a woman. If God created women, which he did, then he gets to define it, right? Does that make sense? Okay. Genesis 1.27, I'm just gonna read this to you. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Okay, this, this man here is, is the word for mankind, which means men and women, okay? So what it means to be a woman, the very base level, what, what we have to begin with is saying that women are the image bearers of God. Okay, this is called the Imago Dei. Everybody say Imago Dei. Okay, that, that is a Latin word for the image of God. You are an image bearer uh, of God. And so what that means is, is that the very beginning, women are created with dignity, value, and worth as image bearers of God. Okay, that, that's, that's the very basis and foundation. So, so what does that mean that you're an image bearer of God, ladies? What, what does it mean to, to bear the image of God? It means this. It means that you're like God and you represent God, okay? That, that's image bearing, okay? So, so when I say like God, don't, don't call me a heretic just yet. God has communicable attributes and he has incommunicable attributes, meaning there are some things about God that you just simply won't ever be like. He is all-knowing. Ladies, as much as you like to promote so, you are not, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And again, as much as you ladies would like to be everywhere, you can't. So, so, so when I say like God, I'm not talking about his incommunicable attributes. I'm talking about the attributes that he does uh, allow us to share in. God is loving, therefore, ladies, you can be loving. God is merciful, therefore, you can be like God by being merciful. Okay, so, so being an image bearer of God, ladies, means that you are like God in the sense that you share communicable attributes and you represent God. Okay, so, so ladies, focus in with me here. You are a vital role in the kingdom of God to see God's work and will happen in the whole world. Women, you are a vital role in seeing God's work and his will happen in the world. Okay, it, think about the very beginning. God begins to create and says, it's good, it's good, I created this and it was good, and he created light and it was good, and this was good, and this was good, but he saw one thing in his creation that was not good. What was that? For man to be alone. And so in order for God to enact or initiate his global plan uh, to see uh, his self glorified in the world, women come in to fulfill God's vital role and vital plan in his work and his will in the world. And then we fast forward thousands of years and he chooses a young woman to bear Christ. <laughs> He could have just dropped him out of the sky if he wanted to, but he didn't. He chose a woman to, to bear Christ, to, to be a mother to him, to raise him. In addition, in Acts chapter 16, there's a woman named Lydia, and this is actually my daughter's namesake. There's a woman named Lydia, and God chooses her, opens up her heart, and she becomes a vital role in funding church planting and actually houses Paul and Silas. And then if we jump back in the Old Testament, there was a, a woman named Esther, and what she did is saved the entire nation nation 
right? So time and time again, God uses women as vital roles to, to fulfill his work and his will in the world. So, so women, listen, God has a plan for your life. You, you are an image bearer of God. You are a beautiful poem to God. Ephesians chapter two says that we are his workmanship. That idea of workmanship carries the idea of a poem. And so women, ladies, you are God's beautiful poem, right? Isn't that good to know? Isn't that good to know that, that ladies, you, you bear the very image of God, that ladies, God has a plan for your life. He, he's got something designed for you. He's got something in mind for you, that he handcrafted you exactly the way that you are. I know you stand in the mirror and sometimes detest what you see, but God created that with his very hands, and he is wild about you. He's wild about you. So we have to begin with what it means to, to be a woman. So to be a woman means that uh, you are an image bearer of God, that, that you are like him, that you represent him in the world, that he has a plan for your life. You are handcrafted by God as a daughter of the king. Okay, that, That's what it means uh, to be a woman. So as we continue to read in Genesis, again, I'll just read this verse uh, to you. Here's what it says in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man, mankind, that includes women, in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Then it says this, male and female he created them. So women, you are an image bearer of God. You bear God's image. Uh, you are equal to men in dignity and value and worth. But then, did you see what it said? Male and female he created them. So though men and women are equal in dignity, value, and worth, there is a difference. There is a distinction between men and women. They are not exactly the same, just with different parts. Okay? You guys with me? There, there is a, a distinction. The, the woman is not an exact replica of a man. She is different from him. So what is that distinction? The distinction is role. Everybody say role. Role, yeah. So that's, that's the distinction. So back to Ephesians. Here's what it says. Wives. Okay, so, so now women, in your mind, we know who we are, right? We're image, women are image bearers of God, daughters of a king, God's beautiful poem made to carry out his will and his work in the world. Wives, submit. Okay. The Bible's idea of submission does not equal inferiority. Okay? The Bible's idea of submission does not equal inferiority. Now, in our world, it does. You, the, the people who are lesser, the people who are inferior, they submit to the people who are bigger, better, and stronger. Okay? That, that is not the Bible's idea of submission. The, the Bible's idea of submission does not equal inferiority. Okay? Um, and in addition, this says, wives submit to your own husbands. So this doesn't say every woman everywhere submit to all men. Right, that, that, That's not the case here. You, you submit to your husband, not anybody else's husband. Okay? You submit to your own husband. Okay? So why, I want to ask this question, why, do, uh, why didn't I get uh, thunderous applause when we read, wives, submit to your husbands? <laughs> okay? Why wasn't there a shout of joy standing and clapping from the women? Okay? No standing ovation there when we read that verse, okay? Um, here, here is why. Uh, because men have 
really mess things up, <laughs> okay? That, that, that's where we have to begin. So, so I want you to see that submission to your husband is a beautiful thing, it's a godly thing, it's a great and awesome thing. I, I want you to erase from your mind what has happened to you in your past where men have either abused their authority or abandoned their authority. That's generally what men do. We, we err on one side or the other. We, we abuse our authority and lord it over you or we abandon it altogether. So, so I, just, I want you to wipe that from your mind Start from the place of I'm an image bearer of God and the word of God just told me, the Bible just said, this isn't the word of Kirk, that this is the word of God just told me to submit to my husband. Okay, so what's the motivation for that? Okay, if the Bible is calling you to do this, it's saying you're not lesser than, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is there's a difference in your role. The husband is the leader and the wife is the follower. She is submissive to him, but what's your motivation to do that? Did you see it in the text? The motivation to do that, it said, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Your motivation, ladies, to live in submission to your husband is Jesus, Jesus is the most beautiful picture of submission that has ever walked the face of the earth. Just think about that. The fact that he walked the earth. Him showing up here was an act of submission. The fact that he grew, as Luke tells us, he grew in wisdom and knowledge. He submitted himself to humanity so that he would grow. He, he had to go through growing pains, and he had to grow up, and it says that he grew in wisdom and knowledge, meaning he submitted himself, he submitted his intellect, and had to learn the Bible, right? He, he grew up and submitted himself to a life of, uh, of mockery, uh, of people throwing insults at him. He submitted himself to that, and ultimately he submitted himself even to death on a cross. Listen, he bled on the ground that he created. Like, that is the ultimate act of submission, Jesus was ultimately submissive to the Father as he walked and, and as he continually said, Father, not my will, but whose? But your will or thine will be done. Your motivation, ladies, for submission is not earned by your husbands because he can't earn it. You're, if you say something like this, well, I would submit to him, but, right, and, and then you give a reason why you would. L listen, your husband is never going to earn your submission. As a matter of fact, he can't. He's going to screw it up again and again and again. Amen, guys? So your motivation is not how wise and smart and godly your husband is. Rather, your motivation to submit to him is Christ's submission, Christ's model of submission. You, you say, because Jesus submitted, ultimately he submitted himself to death on a cross, carrying my sin, my shame. He, he submitted himself unto death on a cross. That's my motivation to obey the word of God and live in submission to my husband. That's your motivation. What's the extent of your submission? Okay, so, so now we're, we're really gonna try to explain what this means, okay, uh, because... Uh, again, men often will either <laughs> abuse their authority or abandon their authority. So I want to talk about the extent of your submission. Okay, what, what does that mean, that to, to submit to your husband, right? Does that mean you, 
you know, bring him his pot pie so he can sit and watch TV. You, you wait on him hand and foot. You have a doily on your head and don't ever say anything. What's the extent of this submission that you're called to as an image bearer of God, as a, as a woman of God? Did you see that in the text? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is itself a savior. Listen to this. Now as, okay, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So th- they're giving an analogy here. Do you see the analogy? So, so the church's submission to Christ is like the wife's submission to her husband. So the question is, how submissive should the church be to Jesus? Fully, yeah, 100% submissive. That, that's how submissive the church should be to Christ. Therefore, okay, I'm, I'm making the argument the scripture is making. Therefore, a, a wife is fully submissive to her husband, listen, as unto the Lord, okay? Did, did you see that in, in the text? Did you see that? Um, so we are to be uh, women are to be fully submissive to, to your husband. Practically speaking, let me, let me just land this plane. It means that you defer to him when it's time to make decisions about the direction of your life and family. Okay? It means that you defer to him on making decisions about your life and your family. Okay? That, that's, that's one part of submission. So, so where are, are we going to buy a house next year? Right? That, that's what you do. You, you turn and look to your man. Are, are we going to put our kids in public school or private school? Homeschool. What, what do we got? You, you defer to your man, ladies. You, you look to him. You look to him. You defer. I'm, I'm actively submitting. So, so submission begins with um, that this idea of deferring to him on the decisions that are going to matter five years from now, ten years from now. In addition, ladies, submission is about attitude. It's a general attitude um, of looking to him, deferring to him, trusting in him uh, to, to make the right decisions and do what's best for you and your family, okay? That, that's practically ground level what it means uh, for submission, okay? So, so ladies, let me, let me ask you this question. Are you looking to your husband to make the big decisions or are you nagging him in the direction you want to head? Mm. Amen, somebody. Are you deferring to your husband, right? I'm, I'm, honey, I'm gonna trust you. I'm behind you. I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna help you. I love you. I'm with you, right? Is that your posture and attitude? Or is it, you know, sweetie, it would be really nice if you, I, I, you know what, I think we should just do this. I can't believe you said we need to be, Are are you deferring to him? Are you walking in submission under your husband, loving him, supporting him, backing him up, or are you nagging him in the direction you want to go? This says wives should be submissive. Okay, now, let me make this disclaimer now. Submission does not mean blind obedience, okay? Submission, ladies, does not mean blind obedience. This says, did you see what it said? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to your husband. Again, this is an analogy, which means at the end of the day, if you carry an analogy too far, it breaks down, okay? Analogies can only go so far. 
Meaning this, ladies, your husband is not Jesus. Okay, so, so we, we need to talk for a second about, about husband worship. Okay, so some of you ladies find your hope, your joy, your, your trust, your, your, your completeness, your, uh, you find your everything in him, and you've pinned something on him that is too great a weight for him to carry. Okay? Jesus is your savior, Jesus is your hope, Jesus is your peace, Jesus is your joy, um, and you are called to Jesus first. So, where your submission to your husband ends is when he is trying to or leading in the direction of sin. You are ultimately allegiance, uh, your ultimate allegiance rests with Christ first, okay? That is that unto the Lord as the, as the church submits to Christ, okay? So you are submissive in everything to your husbands. You, you follow him as far as he is leading unless he's leading towards sin, and then you don't do that. Th- then you back up to your first allegiance, which is Christ, and say, honey, I love you. I, I, you're leading us into sin, and I can't go there, okay? I, I'm, I'm submitting to you as unto the Lord, and Jesus would never lead us into sin, okay? Does that make sense? So, so, so listen, ladies, don't look at this text and say, all right, whatever he says, I just got to shut up and do it, you know? E- even if it's detrimental, even if it's bad, even if it's leading the family towards sin, I just got to go with it. N- no, no, you don't, okay? No, you don't. You, you follow him as unto the Lord. Jesus would never lead us into sin, so you don't follow your husband into sin, but everything short of sin, you, you, you defer to him. You, you, you let him lead, okay? You, you let him you let him lead. Let Christ be Christ and don't worship uh, your, your husband, okay? Um, so, verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present to the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Okay, again, husbands. Let's, let's not run past this. Um, again, our, our world loves the bad boy, right? Our, our world loves the bad boy, Okay, this is the promotion of what does it mean to be a man, right? The, the man is the bad boy. He, you know, he, he's big, he's strong, he's tough, right? He can take a punch, he can, you know, okay? So, so let's pause. When, when it says husbands, we have to understand what it means to be a man first before we know what it means to be a husband, amen? Okay, so what is a man? Just like a woman, a man is an image bearer of God, okay? A man is an image bearer of God. It means that we are like God. It means that we represent God to the world. More specifically speaking, here is the real definition or the biblical definition of what a man is. A man takes initiative for the benefit of others. That is the definition of manhood. It doesn't matter how long your beard is. It doesn't matter how many tattoos you have. It doesn't matter how many beers you can drink or how many cigarettes you smoke or how many fights you can get in. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many notches are on your bedpost, men. What makes you a man is the ability to take initiative for the benefit of other people. 
A man steps in where there's a problem and, and he lovingly, gently, yet firmly solves issues and problems. He, he sees areas of weakness and a man steps in and strengthens it. Meaning this, that your job, okay, your workplace is actually enriched and better because you're there. Your home is enriched and better because you're there. Your kids are better and enriched because you are there. Because you're a man, and what men do is they take initiative for the benefit of other people. Their whole life doesn't terminate on themselves, right? So many men work so hard so that all of that stuff can terminate on themselves, so that they can go golf more, so that they can go fishing more, so that they can go watch the game longer, so they can do whatever they want to do, and so many men create this whole little universe that revolves around themselves. That is not what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man is creating your universe for the benefit of other people. Amen? Amen. You with me this morning, men? Listen, I'm preaching to myself, okay? I, I don't have this figured out, right? Th this is just as convicting to preach as it is to hear. Maybe even more so. Husbands, husbands, love your wives. Okay, listen, I, I want you to get the impact of, of, of what would have happened in Ephesus, okay? When, when they would get these letters, they would read them out loud uh, to the whole church from beginning to end. And, and I, want you to, I want you to get this picture. In those days, here, here is how women were viewed. Women were, were for uh, le legitimate childbearing and care for the home. That's it, okay? They, they saw women as mostly property, Okay? And those women were to bear them legitimate children. I say legitimate children because most people in Ephesus and the pagan world had you know, all kinds of other extramarital sex. But the wife was to bear you legitimate children. Okay? And she was to care for the home. She, she was to take care of all the home stuff. Why? So that the men could spend more time away from the home building friendships. Okay? Hanging out with their buddies. Doing whatever it is that they wanted to do. This is so radical to them. When, when, he, when they read this out loud, I imagine the, the women gasping and, and the men shifting in their seats and getting really uncomfortable. Husbands, love your wives. Meaning this, your wife, gentlemen, is supposed to be your best friend. Your wife is supposed to be your best friend. Like, like, you're actually supposed to enjoy and get excited about hanging out with her, right? I've heard some of you dudes talk before, and you get so pumped about hanging out with your buddies. You get so pumped, man, we're getting the guys together. We're going to watch the game. You know, it's like, okay, cool. I'm, get together with the dudes and watch the game. That's awesome. But are you just as excited to take your wife out on a date, are you just as excited when you, you kind of get that, you, you steal that moment in the day where it just so happens that the schedule's aligned and the, the kid's taking a nap and the house is quiet and it's just you and her? Are, are you excited about it? Like, does that stir something in your hearts, men? This is the call to love our wives, to see our wives as our close friend, as our best friend. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. So what's the motivation for us to love? We saw the motivation for the women to submit. What's the motivation for the men to love their wives? It's here in the text. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved 
the church, the motivation for men to love their wives and see their wives as their best friend is Jesus' love for us. Do, do, do you know how much you're loved, men? Do you know how much God loves you? Because if you can really get down into your heart and your soul that God is absolutely wild about you, that's your motivator to love her. Even when she's crazy, okay? <laughs> right? Because you're crazy too. And, and even when she's just acting a fool and, and she's getting on your nerves and she, you know, she's worrying about stuff that don't need to be worried about, in that moment, you can be her best friend and love her. Why? Because when you're crazy, when you're worrying about stuff that doesn't need to be worried about, God is there to be your friend and love you. Amen? Yeah. So, husbands, love your wives. And the motivator here, the motivator is that Jesus loved you first. Uh, we, we, were, um, we were praying before the service with uh, my brother Terry was praying, and, and he reminded us of a song that says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sins up on that cross. And, and again, guys, listen, we'll never know the extent of God's love for us We'll never see it fully, but I'm telling you, it's so deep and it's so rich. And when you think about, man, I'm just, he loves me so much. I'm just never gonna know how much he loves me. I'm never gonna know the full extent of what it cost him to, to, to just keep his face set towards the cross and, and push and go that, that far from me. If you can get that down in your soul, that will be the motivator to love your wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that's the motivation. Here's the question, the next question. What is the extent of that love? So we ask what was the extent of the submission? We, we said fully, okay? Um, what's the extent of our love for our wives? We're motivated by Christ's love for us, but what's the extent? Guys, how far do we go for our wives, did you see it in the text? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, here it is, and gave himself up for her. How far do we go for our wives, gentlemen? To death, to death. Men, we wake up in the morning and we die for our wives. We wake up the next day and we die again. We wake up the next day and we die again. A husband's job is daily dying for his wife. Daily dying. This means we are constantly on the prowl looking for ways to die for her. Right? That's your posture, men. Your posture is, how do I die for my wife today? How do I, what can I do that's gonna take something off of her plate? What can I do that's gonna serve her? What can I do that's gonna love her? What can I do that's gonna lighten her load? That's the husband's job, daily dying. Daily dying for his wife. The way Jesus brought about change in us is his death, and the way we lead our wives is our death. Your leadership looks like service. Amen? Your leadership to your wife. Okay, listen. Your leadership to your wife isn't assertion of your authority. Does that make sense? So, so here's, here's how you should not lead your wife, men. You know, honey, the Bible says you're supposed to obey me. So here's what I want you to do. 
That's not, don't do that. I've tried it, doesn't work. (laughs) Honey, you know the Bible says to obey me. You're acting crazy right now, right? You need to obey me and, and do that. Okay, so assertion of your authority never works, okay? But you wanna know how to lead your wife? You start by serving her. And listen, I'm gonna tell you the secret about every woman in this room. Women are so eager to submit and follow a godly man who is daily dying for her and serving her. They actually want to do it, right? We, we, we look at this text and we go, man, like they're called to submit and we're called to love them and it's, it's going to be this like, battle and struggle to you know, get her to obey and get her to submit. I'm telling you, dudes, if you'll start dying for your wife daily, if you're a godly man who loves Jesus and you're dying for your wife daily, she's gonna be so eager to follow you, so eager to submit to you. I promise, I promise. You, you start walking in that and, and, watch it, and watch it happen, okay? So that's the extent of our, um, of our love is the fact that we're dying. We're constantly dying, okay? Again, let me give this disclaimer. We are not talking about wife worship, okay? Now, wife worship looks like this. When you build the home around her moods and her wants, okay? There are a lot of men who build their homes around their wife's moods and her wife's uh, wants, okay? Listen, we're called to create a Jesus-centered house. The the house is to be Jesus-centered, not wife-centered. This means, gentlemen, you do not enable your wife's crazy. Okay? Gentlemen, do not enable your wife's crazy. Every wife has a particular crazy. Okay? Some are different. I mean, they're, they're, they're all particular crazies, though. There, there's one issue in, in your wife's life that she just, she's just crazy. Okay? Plain and simple, no way to get around it. Now, dudes, we, we're the same. Okay? We have our particular crazy, too. But the, the man's job is not to build the house around his wife's mood and her wants. Again, because that's enabling her crazy, okay? What the man's job is to do is to make his house Jesus-centered and serve his wife so that she gets there too. You guys get that? Somebody should have said amen on that, okay? You, you, the, the man's job, okay? I appreciate that, amen. The, the man's job is to serve his wife, serve his wife, serve his wife, not in a way that the house now revolves around her, but he serves his wife in such a way that the house revolves around Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so again, we're, we're not talking about wife worship here. We're talking about Jesus worship in such a way that brings the wife and the family along. It went on to say, sanctifying her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Okay, let me tell you something about um, how a, a, a woman walks in becoming more godly um, and more Christ-like, okay? So here's the question. How does a woman become more godly and more Christ-like? Okay, well, here, here, is, here is what is in her arsenal, okay? Um, she has the Bible, okay? Um, she has um, a church family, okay? Th- those two things serve her uh, to make her more Christ-like, okay? So she has a Bible, she has her church family, she has the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit helps your wife become more Christ-like. In addition, what helps your wife become more Christ-like is you, okay? 
That is what is unique about a woman. That is God's design for a woman. See, men, we have the same thing, right? We, we have the Bible. That helps us be more Christ-like. We have the church. That helps us be more Christ-like. We have the Holy Spirit. That helps us be more Christ-like. But God's design for a woman is for her progressive sanctification to be helped along by her husband. Did you see that in the text? Did you see what it said? It said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. So, so our job is to help our wife along in her uh, progressive sanctification or becoming more Christ-like. Here's what this means. A man must be the visionary leader for God's spiritual destiny for his wife. The man must be the visionary leader for his wife's spiritual destiny. Okay? Here, here are a few questions. What does God want your wife to do or become? What does God want your wife to do or become for the kingdom of God? And then the follow-up question, how do you help her get there? That's the man's job. He, he's the visionary leader, okay? I'm, I'm gonna help my wife figure out specifically exactly what God wants her to do for his kingdom, and then I'm gonna do everything I can to set my wife up for the spiritual win, right? Does that make sense? That, that's, that's the husband's job. That's, that's what he does. And then down towards the end, it said that she might be holy. The husband bears a unique burden for the spiritual growth of his wife. It is our job to ensure that she is growing in Christ. Men, let me ask you, is your wife growing in Christ? I guess is not a good answer. I think so is a worse one. It is our job as men to ensure, to know without a shadow of a doubt that our wife is growing in the Lord, that she day by day is becoming more and more like Christ, and it's our job to make sure that's happening and to ensure her spiritual growth, having cleansed her with the washing of the water of the word so that she might be holy. That's our job, men. That's our job. The problem is, uh, for a lot of us men, is our wives are uh, spiritual giants compared to us. Some of you, the reason that it's so hard to lead your wife spiritually is because she's light years ahead of you spiritually, okay? So what you need to do, men, is begin uh, with repentance um, and, and get your tail in the Bible, uh, start reading and learning so that you actually can lead your wife, okay? Verses 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, there's the motivator again, because we are members of his body, okay? So he, he's gonna continue pushing this. If you neglect your spiritual growth, it's just like neglecting the spiritual growth of your wife. It, you guys are one, you're the same, right? He, he, in just a second, he's gonna say one flesh. So when, when you go off on your wife, it's just like going off on yourself. When, when you're snappy to your wife, it's just like being snappy to yourself. When you raise your voice to your wife, it's just like raising your voice to yourself because this is the picture that he's trying to paint. He's saying, don't, don't you see what I've done? I've come and I've lived the life that you should have lived and I've died the death that you should have died so that we could have this intimate one relationship. Okay, don't, don't you see that? And I want you to see that through the intimate oneness that you and your wife have. 
So, so don't mistreat her because if you mistreat her, you're mistreating yourself because you guys are one. That's the argument that he's making. And then he said, for us to nourish and cherish our wives. Okay, um, here's my challenge. Men, go home today and ask your wife, do you feel nourished and do you feel cherished? Okay, guys, listen. Ask that question and shut up. Listen, like listen to her response, like really listen to it. Let's keep reading. Uh, I want to get to the practical application today. 31, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and, the church, uh, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, uh, what he just did is he just jumped way back to Genesis and, and said, verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother. This means that the man is not only the lover, he is also the provider. Everybody say provider. 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 This means that the man's job is to make sure the bills are paid. This means that your wife does not work unless she wants to. In Genesis, here was the curse. Men have to work by the sweat of our brow and women get the curse of pain and childbearing. Here's what happens in way too many homes. What we do is we set up a lifestyle that we don't need. And in order to afford the lifestyle that we don't need, men, we take our curse and we place it on the back of our wife and make her go out and work so that we can afford a lifestyle we don't even need. The man's job is to make sure at the end of the day, the bills are paid. Am I saying a woman cannot work? Absolutely not. Proverbs 31, she goes out, she has real estate, she's selling, she's making money, but that is in addition to what the man was already doing. Do you remember what the man was doing in that text? He was the elder standing in the gate doing business. So the wife's income is to supplement if she wants to work, if she wants to work, okay, okay? 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Men, it is your job to get up in the morning and go to work. You go to work to provide for your family. It's your job. It's your job. Do not lay your curse on the back of your wife. Her, her curse is pain and childbearing, okay? She's she got enough to deal with. Now, now again, let, let me just clarify. I'm, I'm not saying that she can't work. My wife works. But that's because she wants to, and, and we make sure that our lifestyle is in such a way that my income can, can afford the lifestyle that we live. Okay? Men, it, it, it's time. It's time, men. We, we need to step up. We need to lead our wives, we need to love our wives, and we need to provide for our families. It's the man's job, okay? I know this is old school, but I'm a little old school, okay? The Bible's old school. This is how homes should be oriented. This is the way it works. The man must leave his mother and his father, meaning he gets his own place, he establishes it, he's able to afford it, and he raises his family in his home, 
that, that's, that's the job of the man. Okay? So, let's get to the fun part of this. Therefore, a man must leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so, yeah, here we go. So, now that all that's done, we, yeah, we, we need to provide for our families. It's the man's job to get out there and work and lead his wife, love his wife. That's what he's got to do. And the two shall become one flesh. You want to have a healthy marriage. Here is one of the keys. There's lots of keys. Here's a key. Have sex often, okay? Have sex often and have fun with it, okay? Listen, I, th- I'm going to read the Bible here, okay? So, if, if, if y'all are embarrassed by this, it's in the Bible, okay? So cover your ears. Proverbs 5, 15 through 18. Drink water from your own cisterns, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. That's the Bible, y'all. Amen. Uh, yeah, we should have got an amen on that one, okay? In, in addition, 1 Corinthians 7.5 says, do not deprive one another. Do not deprive one another, Okay? Again, marriage is supposed to be fun. Sex is a good thing. It is created by God, okay? He made the parts, right? Uh, he, he made the parts. Sex is a good thing created by God for husband and wife. The, the two become one flesh. That, that is God's plan and God's design. Christian married people should have sex a lot, right? And, and it should be really fun. That's God's design for it, Okay? That's God's design for it. So here's what I want to tell you men today. Your standard of beauty is your wife. This said, rejoice in the wife of your youth and let her breast fill you with delight. Hers, not anybody else's, okay? Not anybody else's. You want to know what's beautiful and sexy? Your wife, okay? Not my wife, right? You see what I'm saying? Your, your standard of beauty is your wife. So when you think about what's good looking, my wife is good looking, okay? Not your wife, my wife. No, wait, my wife, not your wife. Now I'm confused. You guys get what I'm saying, right? <laughs> See what I'm saying? So when you're asked the question, okay, what, what really turns you on, okay? The answer, gentlemen, my wife, right? That, that's what does it for me. Her, right? I like her. That's, that's, what type of gal do I like? That one, that gal, because she's mine, okay? I'm, I'm rejoicing in the wife of my youth, and what she has is to fulfill me, okay? That, that's that one flesh part, okay? Now, again, let me, practical application time. There's several of these, and then, then I'll be out of your way, okay? So practically speaking, how do women submit, and how do they respect, okay? Did, did you see that last part uh, in the text, it said, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the woman's call in this text is to love and it's also called to, uh, the woman's call is to submit and respect. So practically speaking, I, I just, I jotted down seven things. Most of these come from my wife because we talked about it, so I'll give her credit. Here, here are seven ways how a woman can practically submit to her husband um, and, and, and practically respect her husband. Number one, don't compare your marriage to other people's marriage. 
You want to begin to submit to your husband and respect him? Stop looking at other people's marriages and thinking they have it way better off. Well, if you'd only be more like him, you know, we wouldn't have so many problems in our marriage. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't create, and here's what's so crazy. Most of the time, the other people's marriages who you wish you had, their marriage isn't that awesome anyway. Okay, you just think it is. It looks that way from the outside. Their marriages has problems just like your marriage has problems. Okay, don't compare. Don't compare. That's a way to submit to your husband. In addition, be confident in the Holy Spirit's power to change him. Be confident in the Holy Spirit's power to change him. Some of you ladies, you're not submitting and respecting your husband because you're nagging him to death because he won't do what you want him to do. Here is how you respect your husband. Here's how you submit to your husband. Pray for him. Just pray for him. Stop nagging him and pray for him. You're gonna get so much more done if you'll just pray for him and stop nagging him and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and do the changing. I'm not saying your husband doesn't need to change. He probably does. There's probably some areas in his life he needs to work on, but, but allow the Holy Spirit to do that change and pray that God would come in and do a mighty work in his life and instead of going, I sure wish you wouldn't do that. Okay, don't, don't nag him to death. In addition, take care of yourself. Come on, ladies, take care of yourself. Go, go out and, and, you know, get, get, get some tight jeans. Not too tight, right? Get some good-looking jeans. Get a nice shirt. Get your hair done, ladies. You know, brush your teeth, right? Simple stuff. Trim your nose hairs, right? Just, just real practical. I told you, it's practical, simple stuff, right? One of the best ways to respect your man is to look good for him, Okay? Men are visually driven, okay? So respect him by taking care of yourself, right? Don't just walk around all the time in some old nasty, you know, jogging pants, got a stain on them, you know, big baggy shirt, hair all like in a, you know, ponytail on the side of your head, <laughs> coffee breath, you know? Take, take care of yourself, ladies. That's a, that's a great practical way just, just to show your man that you love him, that you respect him, that, you're, that, that you want to submit to him, and, and that's just by taking care um, of your appearance. In addition, encourage his advances. That is a great way to submit to your husband and respect him. Encourage encourage his advances. When, when you're standing in the kitchen at the kitchen counter and he comes up behind you, wraps his arm around you, start nibbling on the back of your neck, right? Don't elbow him and go, stop, you're so nasty, right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Encourage his advances, right? That, that, that means he likes you. That means he's attracted to you, which is a good thing, right? If he wouldn't do that, you should be worried, you know? He, he, he needs to advance on you, and so let him, Right? Let him chase you around the house. Slow down a little bit so he can catch you. You know what I'm saying? I told you, practical application this morning. Encourage his advances. In addition, let him know when you see spiritual growth. Let him know when you see spiritual growth. Talk to him. If, verbally affirm your man. There is no better way to submit to him and respect him than giving him verbal affirmation. Men love that stuff. Sweetie, I saw you reading your Bible. I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm so proud that, that I have a husband who loves Jesus and reads his Bible. Just, just simple stuff like that, man, well, it, it does wonders for us. It does wonders for us. Give him verbal affirmation when you see him growing spiritually. Praise him in front of others. Praise him in front of others. When, when you're in a crowd, when you're in a group, brag on your man. Brag on your man, right? Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with bragging on your man. Lastly, verbally affirm when he is working hard. 
Okay, again, it, it, it's, the, it's the man's job, the man's responsibility to provide for his family. When he does that, praise him for it. Sweetie, I love you so I'm, I'm so thankful that, that you work so hard to provide for us. That, that really shows me that, that you love us and you love our family. Okay? Give, him that, give him that verbal affirmation. It's so good. It's so good for a man. We, we, we focus so much on our work. Dudes are about getting work done. And, and, and so when you verbally affirm that in him, it, it, I'm telling you, it's going to change his whole world when you verbally affirm his spiritual growth and, and his, his working. Okay? Some practical stuff for the dudes. <clears throat> practical stuff for the dudes. How do guys love? So the command for the women, submit, respect. The, the command for the dudes, love. Number one, don't compare your lady to others. Okay? You, you want to love your wife? Have her be it for you. She's my wife. I love her. I'm crazy about her. I will fight you for her. Right? The, the, don't compare her to other people. Right? She's your wife. Two, lead her spiritually. This includes, but it's not limited to, prayer, Bible reading, conversations, listening to podcasts together, walking through a devotional together. Men, it is your job to see that your wife is growing spiritually, so lead her spiritually. Men, if you are not praying with your wife on a regular basis, repent today. If you are not reading the Bible with your wife, repent today and start doing it. This is our job, men. We need a generation of godly, gospel-centered men who are willing to raise up, take their wife by the hand, and the Bible in the other, and bow their head and pray to God. Amen? That's what the type of men that we need. Men who will lead their wife spiritually. Okay? Don't be a coward. Don't be a coward. Sometimes we just get so nervous and get so all up in our head. Well, what if I say something wrong? I don't know what to read. Or, you know, I, don't be a coward. Lead in this strongly, firmly. We are going to be a house that is centered around Jesus, which means we pray as a family, we read the Bible as a family, and this is what I'm going to do. Okay? Listen, men, real practical. If you don't know what to do, you don't even know how to start that, like, God, that sounds like a lot of work. Like, if that's, if that's you, that's okay. Real simple, start in the book of John, okay? John, is a, it's a great book, and, and just start with your family sitting down and just read a chapter, okay? Just read a chapter, read it out loud, um, and talk about it. Just real practical, real simple stuff. That, that's, a, that's like step, just baby step one in, in how to lead your wife spiritually. Pick a book of the Bible. John's a great one. Mark's a great one. Just pick a gospel, read a chapter, and talk about it, right? I, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to radically change your whole marriage if you'll start doing that, Okay? In addition, provide for and keep up your household. Provide for, meaning men work. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they earn a paycheck, they provide for their home, and they keep up their home, okay? They keep up their home. The grass is cut. It's nice out there. You know what I'm saying? In addition, be a student of your wife. Okay? Be a student of your wife. Constantly learning her. Okay? I always say this. You, you, need to, you need to chase your wife's heart. right? You need to chase it because it's a moving target. <laughs> okay? But, but you've got to constantly chase her. Constantly chase her. Be a student of your wife. What says I love you to your wife? Okay? How do you say I love you to your wife? It's different for every woman in this room. Okay? But uniquely, specifically, how do you say I love you? For me, if I went out and bought my wife, uh, like, you know, a, a coach purse and brought it home to her, she would be mad. She would be so bad. I cannot believe. Like, she'd be, 
but, but maybe your wife is like that. Like you go spend money on her, bring her home a, a nice coach purse or buy her something, some nice earrings or something. Oh man, she, she just thinks you hung the moon, right? But that's not my wife, right? She, she don't like that kind of, she don't like, to, I can't buy her flowers. I can't, you know, it, that's, that's just, that's not her. I have to do different stuff, right? But the question is, what, what says I love you to your wife, okay? And, and again, how I say I love you has changed over the years, so when we first got married, how I told her I love you was different than when we had kids, right? Now it's different. So, so it's, it's a constant, uh, uh, constant working and walking of being a student of her to learn how to say I love you to her in a language that she can understand, okay? Be a student of your wife. In addition, be present not just physically but mentally and emotionally, Okay? Your job does not end with just providing. Yes, you need to provide, right? Yes, you need to provide for your house and for your home. But that doesn't mean that you punch the clock at the end of the day, okay? Here's what I mean. You don't get to go to work, work all day long, come home and say, my job is done because I provided for the home. Your job is not done, gentlemen. You need to get down on the floor. You need to play with your kids. You need to... Hang out with your wife. You need to be present with your family. You don't just get to come home and say, I earned the paycheck, sit down on the couch, crack open a beer, turn on the game, and say, I'm done. No, no. You've got to be present with her. Be present with your children. Be present with your wife after you come home from work. Your job is not done. Your job is not done. Be present with her. Number six, don't try to fix everything all the time. Sometimes she's going to talk to you, and she's going to give you a problem. And as she is talking in your head, you are going to solve said problem. And then when she gets done talking, you're going to tell her the solution, and when you do, she's going to get mad at you. <laughs> because she did not want you to solve the problem, she wanted you to listen to the problem. Okay? That's the way they work. So don't try to solve every problem all the time. Okay? Just listen. Okay? Just listen. If she wants you to solve it, she'll ask you. She'll ask you and then solve, okay? Lastly, and, and I'm gonna get out of y'all's way, take her out wherever she wants to go. Too many of us dated so we could get married instead of getting married so we could date. That's gotta be the man's posture. The man's posture is he got married so he could really start dating his wife, okay? Man, take her out. Take her out. Put something nice and fancy on her and take her to whatever restaurant she wants to go to and do that often. Date your wife, man. Const always, always, just dating. We're on a date, we're going on another date, we're going to, always dating your wife, okay? That's so important, that's so important. Verse 32. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What mystery, what mystery this mystery, that he gave us this picture of marriage, the picture of intimacy, the picture of two people becoming one. Here's the mystery. The mystery is, is that that is a picture of what we are in Christ. We are one with Christ, just like you and your husband are one, just like you and your wife are one. We are one with Christ. That's the mystery that marriage reveals. We get to be one with Christ. That's the mystery. He came and lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died in our place for our sins so that we could have this intimate one relationship with God just like we have an intimate and one relationship with our spouse. Jesus began his ministry at a wedding. Do you remember that? The wedding feast at Cana. 
He starts and begins his ministry at a wedding, and guess what the culmination of Jesus' ministry is? It's another wedding, isn't it? You remember Revelation, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so in the end, when Jesus returns to call his children home, we will be dressed and clothed in white as a bride. And Jesus, our groom, will come and he will set a big banquet table for us to sit down and feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It began with a wedding, it ends with a wedding where we are one with Christ face to face. No more sin, no more shame, no more pain anymore with our God forever worshiping him in heaven. And that, gentlemen, is the motivation to love your wives. That, women, is the motivation to submit to him. Let me pray for us. Father, you're mighty and you're strong. You paint the portrait of what it means to be a man. Jesus is the most manliest man that ever was. And so every man in this room, if they're aspiring or ascribing to walk in what it means to be a man, they need to look to the pages of the scripture and see the mighty Jesus. Father, we, we want to be like him. God, we, we want to be godly men who shepherd our families well. We want to be godly men who love our wives. We want to be godly men who, in one hand, we're holding the, wife, the, the hand of our best friend, our wife, and the other hand, we're holding a Bible and we're leading our family. And so I pray for the men in this room today that they would step up, that they would walk in what it means to be a godly man, that they would be husbands who love their wives just like you love the church. I pray for the women in the room today that they would walk in what it means to be submissive to their husbands. They wouldn't look at that text and scoff at it and say, that's so old and antiquated and outdated. We're not submissive anymore. We're liberated and free. I pray that they would see this text as beautiful and glorious, that their motivation to submit to their husbands is Christ and his submission. Father, again, I just, I pray for a brand new generation of godly families, of godly families and men leading the charge, leading their homes and leading your great church. That's what I ask for, Father. And I ask them all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.